Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. also knows that so in proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 he said and told us above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life so see jesus knew that there was something to your heart he knew that as a man thinks in his heart so is he he knew he he knew that your heart had to be protected he told us to above all else guard your heart amen so we've got to guard our hearts, and Pastor Steve's been preaching to us about um, how the enemy tries to come in and steal your heart, tries to make for sure that you turn hopeless, because if you turn hopeless and you lose heart, you won't do anything for him, amen? So we've got to protect that. The truth of the matter is that what we really do is we give our hearts away too easy. Come on. We'll give our hearts away to a movie, but we won't give them to Jesus. Come on. We'll get our emotions all worked up from watching a TV series. Come on, who's, who's addicted? Who'd be uh, uh, honest enough to say they're addicted to a TV series? I'm, my hand's up. All right? I mean, you are addicted to it. Like, you can't wait for Thursday night to come so you can watch your show, right? And uh, so, but we give our hearts away too easy. See, the truth is that the enemy wants to destroy our heart, and the w- easiest way that he can do it is to put us in a hopeless situation into a situation where we can't find hope, to where we don't see hope, and then there he can destroy our heart. Some people, we've talked about this, some people have lived in hopeless situations for years and years and years, and they have no hope, therefore their heart is gone. Come on. The enemy's attacking our hearts. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever started anything with great ambition and then quit very quickly? Let's talk about laundry. I can't help but talk about laundry when we talk about starting something but not finishing it, all right? I am notorious for saying, babe, I've got clothes in the washer that need to go in the dryer, but I don't have time to fold the clothes in the dryer. Just put the clothes in the dryer on top of the dryer and then just put the clothes back in there, right? And we'll live out of top of the dryer, right? Or, or I've been to some of your houses. You will fold the clothes, put them in the hamper, but you won't put them in your, in your dresser. Come on, we start things, but we struggle to finish things. Have you ever started something that Jesus told you to start, but you didn't finish it? Has God ever put anything on your heart, a ministry, a person that you're supposed to talk to, a family member, a mover? Has he put anybody on your heart, anything on your heart, and you started it with great ambition? You had all the hope in the world, but then you ran away from it. You turned your back on it. It's still something that you think about, but not something that you act on. Come on. So we're going to talk about a story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture, but our man Peter, and uh, it's an incredible, incredible story. Let's read it. Pay attention to the word, the very first word that's in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. 
Later that night, he was there alone on the mountainside, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Come on. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Come on, we, we, we want to judge them right here. We want to stop and be like, man, if you saw Jesus walking on the water, you get excited, right? But no, if you in the middle of the night and you're out in a sea, I don't know if you guys ever imagined this, but when you're out there, there's not too much light out there. So when you see something walking on the water, we would all scream like little schoolgirls, all right? Or like my three-year-old son when he gets really excited about something. So they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, see there's that word again, said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, big mouth Peter said. Peter replied, he said, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, come on, if I was going to tell Jesus something to do, I'd give him more options than to walk on water. Jesus, if it's you, clap your hands twice. Wouldn't that have been more simple? But no, Peter, just as gung-ho as he possibly can, said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. Well, what does Jesus tell him to do? Come come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he being Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me, immediately. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. God, ask that you would use it to penetrate our hearts. Lord Jesus, go deep down inside of us and change us this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about losing hope in God's assignment for you. See, God's given you an assignment just like he's given Peter in this story. And we start with great ambition, but then somewhere along the way, we struggle. Somewhere along the way, we lose hope. Somewhere along the way, something happens in our life. And we, what, when we once were obeying God, now we're being disobedient to him. Amen? So Jesus told Peter a simple word. He just told him to come. And Peter's just crazy enough that he got out on the water and just started walking on the water. See, Peter had faith. Peter had hope. Listen, if he wouldn't have had faith and if he wouldn't have had hope, I'm telling you, you don't get out of a perfectly good boat. The boat is good, the boat is nice, the boat is secure, the boat floats. And you're in the middle of a storm. It says the wind was against it so that the waves were buffeting against the boat. The boat's being shook, and Peter has to get out of the boat. Be Peter's crazy enough to get out of the boat, and then he's walking on water, and things get a little shaky. Isn't that how it happens in our life? Some of us got saved, and we had all the ambition in the world. We wanted to change every neighbor that we lived by. We wanted to change every coworker that we worked with. We wanted to change every family member. And then six months goes by, and we're just content to come to church on Sunday. Come on. So we got some things to learn from Peter. The very first thing we can learn from Peter is that the enemy uses the wind. Think about this. The wind is something that is natural. Does the wind blow naturally? In Oklahoma especially? The enemy uses the wind. The enemy uses the natural events in your life to cause you to lose hope. 
See, he doesn't, a lot of the times I see, and, and you've heard me preach this before, but we give the enemy so much credit. The enemy made me lose my job. No, you just didn't show up, to time, show up on time. You weren't good at it. You weren't faithful to it. Man, the enemy's attacking my marriage. No, you're unwilling to work on your marriage. See, we say the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, but sometimes it's just the wind blowing. Sometimes it's just the natural things that are happening in our life. Sometimes it's a result of the things that we sowed. Come on. God's not a liar. A man will reap what he has sown. See, but the enemy tries to use the wind. Can I tell you the most important, the most, the, the most apropos time for him to use the wind? Right after you start obeying. As soon as you obey God, as soon as Peter got out of the boat, he got out of the boat. It doesn't say that the wind died down. We're going to talk about that later. He got out of the boat. The boat's still going crazy. The wind's still there. The waves are still there. And he was crazy enough to obey God. But then he got out there and he saw the wind. He saw the effects of the wind. He saw that the wind was blowing the waves and pushing the water up. Maybe the waves were up over his head. Maybe the waves in your life are up over your head. Maybe you're focused on all the wind, the natural things that's happening in your life, and therefore it's causing you to not obey God. Somebody say amen. See, distraction and fear are the enemy's number one tactics. He doesn't care which one. His goal is to make for sure that you don't obey Jesus. His goal is to make for sure that you can't do what God's called you to do. And he's going to use fear. Oh, I can't do that. Or fear, what are they going to think of me? Or what am I going to do? What am I going to say? How am I going to make it? He'll use fear. And if he can't use fear, he'll get you so busy that you're distracted enough you can't ever obey him. Come on. If you have kids in this room, he'll try to make your kids so busy that you can't obey him. Come on. We'll run all over God's creation to do anything for our kids, but God tells us to talk to one person at 7-Eleven or on cue, and we won't do it. But I'll drive 45 minutes to take my kid to practice. I'll drive 30 minutes to take him over here. Come on. I do the same thing. My son says he wants ice cream. Guess where we're going? Get us some ice cream because now he's made me think about it, and now I want ice cream. But we'll sacrifice so much for our families. We don't sacrifice anything for him. He tries to get us distracted. He wants to make us busy with this life here on earth so that we don't pay attention to the life we're supposed to be living for him. Come on, that's good. He uses the wind. The second thing we can learn from, from Peter is the word immediately. Because immediately Jesus responds. Come on, if you're in a hopeless situation, if you have lost hope before, when you cry out to him, Jesus immediately responds. See, but you got to understand what we got to, what we, what we fail to realize is that we see the wind and it's caused us to lose hope. And when we cry out to Jesus, we expect the wind to die down like that. We expect our situation to change. We expect the situation that we're going through, the difficult time that we're facing, all of the things that are going on in our life, we expect those things to immediately change. And when they don't immediately change, we think that Jesus didn't immediately respond. Come on. See, in this story, Peter begins to sink, and immediately he cries out to Jesus. In the middle of him sinking, he cries out to Jesus, and it says Jesus immediately responded to him immediately grabbed him by the hand. Did it say that he immediately calmed down the wind? Does it say that he immediately calmed down the waves? 
No, no, no. He immediately responded and grabbed him by the hand. See, some of us think that Jesus hasn't responded because our situation didn't change, but we fail to realize he's holding our hand in the middle of the situation. See, the other thing that we really struggle with is that we wait till it's too late to cry out. See, when, if, if this story was about Woody, it wouldn't be after I began to sink that I would cry out to Jesus. No, I'd wait till I was 50 feet in the middle of the ocean, covered up where it's dark and nobody can see me, and then I say, Jesus, help me. But I've lived there for two years. We've lived in the middle of a hopeless situation for two years. It says that Peter, as soon as he began to sink, cried out to Jesus, and Jesus immediately responded to him. Some of us got to learn to cry out. Cry out, not go to church. Come on. He didn't say Peter went to church. It didn't say that Peter read his Bible. It said that he cried out. He opened up his mouth and said, Jesus! Some of us in this room need to open up our mouths and cry out to him. We have to ask for Jesus' help. What a novel idea, right? Not just complain, not sit around and wait, right? I'm reminded, uh, 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 Bob, I know that you've probably shared this story, but I'm reminded of the man that's trapped in the middle of a flooding waters on top of his roof. You remember? And a boat comes by, and he goes, no, 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 Jesus is going to save me. Then a helicopter comes by, and he says, no, 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 Jesus is going to save me. The man dies in the flood water because it goes up over the top of his house. When he gets to heaven, he says, God, you didn't save me. He said, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What do you want from me? See, just because Jesus doesn't do it the way we want it to do, we don't accept his help. Jesus is trying to reach out and hold our hand through the storm, and we just want him to fix the storm immediately. Come on. That's good. See, there's no reference to the time frame that happened here, but in the portion of Scripture that I said, it said that the wind did not die down until they got back in the boat. Well, thanks a lot, Jesus. Now that I'm standing on solid ground, now that everything's okay and I'm on something that, that floats, now you're going to calm the wind. See, we want him to calm it back there when we're walking on the water. But sometimes he wants you to walk through that so that he can teach you some things. Sometimes he wants you to walk through that because you can help somebody else that's walking through that if you've already walked through it. we got to know that Jesus is right there holding our hand. He may not just get us right out of the middle of the storm, but he's right there holding our hand. See, the truth is what the enemy really wants to do is he wants you to forget what God has done in the past. See, how quick did Peter forget? Think about this. The wind's blowing. It's all crazy. They think they're seeing a ghost. They're scared out of their minds is what it says in Woody's translation. They're scared to death. And then Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. Peter immediately gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. He is walking on the water. But then gets distracted. He, he has forgotten within a couple of minutes what he was already doing, what God had already been doing in his life. Isn't that what we struggle with? God's been faithful before. God has proved himself faithful. God has worked in our life. God has taken situations that seemed hopeless, and he's turned them around. He has changed situations that we cannot explain. He has given us money that we don't know where it came from. He's given us peace that we don't know how we would have made it through without the peace. Come on. 
He's prompted somebody to send you a text message to encourage you at certain times in the day. Come on. We forget so quickly what God has done in our life. The faithfulness that he has. Then we get in the middle of the situation and the enemy tries to make us have tunnel vision so that we can only see what's in front. But we've got to take a, take a walk down memory lane and see, oh, you know what? God was faithful then and he was faithful then and he was faithful then and therefore I know he's going to be faithful now. So when you find yourself in a hopeless situation, turn around and look at what God's done in your life. If you can't find anything God's done in your life, look at somebody else's life because I guarantee you somebody around you has had God move in their life in a similar way and it should provide hope for you. If nothing else, if you can't find anything in your own life and you can't find anything in anybody else's life, look to the Bible and know and understand that Jesus says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Pay attention to the fact that he says that he loves you, that he's going to care for you, that he's going to provide for you. Come on. When you find yourself in the middle of a hopeless situation, you've got to look up. The problem is we stay looking down. That's what got Peter. That's what I think. I think Peter was looking at Jesus, so therefore he didn't care about the waves. But what happened is that he noticed out of the corner of an eye a wave that was about to take him over, and he took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the wave. Shoop. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on him. Know that he's going to take care of you. Know that he is going to provide for you. See, the third thing that we can learn from Peter is that faith produces hope. Faith produces hope. See, in verse 31, Jesus looks at him, and it says that his doubt or loss of hope was due to a lack of faith. He asked Peter, why did you doubt you of little faith? See, it's faith that produces hope in us. The hope that we have cannot be based on the situation because the situation will always change, but he never changes. So when you have faith in him, it produces hope in your life so that it doesn't matter what situation you face, you still have hope because my faith is not in man, it's in him. See, when you lose your job, your faith was never in your job. Your faith was in him. He was your provider. He was the one that give you, gave you everything that you, that you have to this point. So you know that he's going to continue to take care of you. Now, does that mean that you don't fill out job applications? No. Does it, does it mean that you don't take the next job that comes? No. It means that you do what you can do and he's going to provide. Our faith is what produces hope. Kim, if I could have you come play for me. See, Peter started obeying with faith, but he saw the wind and he lost hope. He saw the things that was happening in the natural. I mean, I don't think that the enemy was the one throwing those waves up. I mean, it was just the wind. If it was anything like Oklahoma wind, I drove by Lake Overholster like a week and a half ago, and I'm telling you, I felt like I was at the ocean. The waves were so big because the wind was pushing them. Natural things. Natural things. Come on. The enemy waits till you start to obey before he tries to use the wind. 
See, if you're not doing anything for Jesus, the enemy doesn't care about you. If you just go to church on Sunday morning, he doesn't care about you. See, some of you are facing hard situations right now because the enemy knows what's on the inside of you. He knows what God's called you to do. He was there in that church service. He was there in that camp. He was there when you were 14 reading your Bible. He was there and he saw what God wanted to do in your life. And therefore, he's thrown everything he can at you. He's tried to use the wind, the natural things that have happened. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's a sickness in the family. Maybe it's just a loss of job. Maybe it's a loss of hope. Maybe it's a loss of a baby. I don't know what it is, but something that was natural. And the enemy has taken that and tried to use it to hit you over and over and over so that you don't have hope so that you won't obey. We have to take our hope from our faith, our faith in Him, our faith that He's never changing, our faith that He's always there, our faith that He's going to provide for us. Our faith in Him is what allows us to have hope in the midst of an awful situation. And this morning, I want God to restore some faith on the inside of us. See, sometimes we get confused on faith. We think that faith is what you know. So I know, pay attention, I know that the Bible says that he's never going to leave me. I know that the Bible says that he's going to love me and that he's always going to be there for me. I know these things, but the question is, do I believe them? See, Pastor Robert Morris in The Blessed Life talked to us about it's not knowledge that produces actions. It's belief. So knowing something is different than believing it. You've got to get to the point where you believe that God is with you. Where you believe that he's going to take care of you. Where you believe that even in the midst of this situation, I believe, not know, I believe, God, you've got my back. It's not a knowledge thing. It's a belief So this morning, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about what do you believe? Not what do you know. What do you believe? Do you believe that God can do what he said he can do in your life? Do you believe that he is always there for you? Do you believe this morning that God has sent people in your life to help you do you know it or do you believe it our belief this morning is what proves our actions Lord Jesus this morning we ask you God in the midst of our situation God Maybe it's just the wind that's causing the waves. Maybe it really is an attack of the enemy, but maybe it's just something natural. God, maybe it's even something that we sowed and now we're having to reap. God, in the midst of that, God, I pray that you would help us to believe the things that we know. God, help us believe so that it changes our actions. In 
Jesus' mighty name. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Just between you and Jesus this morning. If you say, Woody, I'm struggling in the area of hope. I know these things, but I'm struggling. I'm losing hope. And if you find yourself in the midst of that, maybe you're not hopeless. You're just not hopeful this morning. say, Woody, that's me. I'm struggling with my hope this morning. Would you be brave enough to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm struggling with my hope this morning. Yeah, I see your hands. I see your hands. Thank you, Lord. Do a work in our life today. If you raised your hand, what I want you to do is right where you're seated, I want you to raise both hands both hands and I want you to say Lord Jesus I surrender to you if you're standing around somebody that has their hands raised just put your hand on their shoulder Lord Jesus right now God I pray for these with their hands raised and Lord God I pray right now Lord Jesus that you would instill hope on the inside of them God and we know that hope comes from faith God I pray that you would put faith on the inside of them Lord Jesus, I speak to the things that you've already spoke in their life, Lord Jesus. And God, I speak faith into those things. I speak life into those things, Lord Jesus. The things that are dead that were once alive, God, I speak life into those things, God. The words that were spoken over them, Lord Jesus. The things that you put on the inside of them, Lord Jesus. The things that maybe they started but they've quit doing, Lord Jesus. God, I speak to those things and I ask that you would give them life today. Give them life today. Right now, I curse the enemy's work in their life. Whether the enemy's using the wind or the natural things in their life or whether he's really attacking them. God, I curse the enemy now. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would immediately respond in their life like you did in Peter's. And that you'd reach out and that you'd grab their hand this morning, Lord. That you'd hold their hand even in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the storm, Lord. That you'd hold their hand. In Jesus' mighty name. Would you get. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.